Chapter Five, Part Three of Bellamy, or the History of a Scoundrel. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Martin Giessen. Bellamy, or the History of a Scoundrel, by Guy de Maupassant. Translator unknown. Chapter Five, the First Intrigue part three on the fourteenth of december he was left without a sou in his pocket as he had often done before he did not lunch and spent the afternoon working at the office at four o'clock he received a telegram from madame de marelle saying shall we dine together and afterward have a frolic he replied at once impossible to dine then he added but i will expect you at our apartments at nine o'clock having sent a boy with the note in order to save the money for a telegram he tried to think of some way by which he could obtain his evening meal he waited until all of his associates had gone and when he was alone he rang for the porter, put his hand in his pocket, and said, Foucault, I have left my purse at home, and I have to dine at the Luxembourg. Lend me fifty sous to pay for my cab. The man handed him three francs, and asked, Is that enough? Yes, thank you. Taking the coins, Duroy rushed down the staircase and dined at a cook-shop. At nine o'clock, Madame de Marelle, whom he awaited in the tiny salon, arrived. She wished to take a walk, and he objected. His opposition irritated her. "'I shall go alone, then. Adieu.' seeing that the situation was becoming grave he seized her hands and kissed them saying pardon me darling i am nervous and out of sorts this evening i have been annoyed by business matters somewhat appeased but still vexed she replied that does not concern me i will not be the butt for your ill-humour he clasped her in his arms and murmured his apologies still she persisted in her desire to go out i beseech you remain here by the fire with me say yes no she replied i will not yield to your caprices he insisted i have a reason a serious reason if you will not go with me i shall go alone adieu she disengaged herself from his embrace and fled to the door he followed her listen clo my little clo listen to me she shook her head evaded his caresses and tried to escape from his encircling arms i have a reason looking him in the face she said you lie what is it he coloured 
and in order to avoid a rupture confessed in accents of despair i have no money she would not believe him until he had turned all his pockets inside out to prove his words then she fell upon his breast oh my poor darling had i known how did it happen he invented a touching story to this effect that his father was in straitened circumstances that he had given him not only his savings but had run himself into debt i shall have to starve for the next six months shall i lend you some she whispered he replied with dignity you are very kind dearest but do not mention that again it wounds me she murmured you will never know how much i love you on taking leave of him she asked shall we meet again the day after to-morrow certainly at the same time yes my darling they parted when duroy opened his bedroom door and fumbled in his vest pocket for a match he was amazed to find in it a piece of money a twenty-franc piece at first he wondered by what miracle it had got there suddenly it occurred to him that madame de marelle had given him arms angry and humiliated he determined to return it when next they met the next morning it was late when he awoke he tried to overcome his hunger he went out and as he passed the restaurants he could scarcely resist their temptations at noon he said bah i shall lunch upon clotilde's twenty francs that will not hinder me from returning the money to-morrow he ate his lunch for which he paid two francs fifty and on entering the office of la vie francaise he repaid the porter the three francs he had borrowed from him he worked until seven o'clock then he dined and he continued to draw upon the twenty francs until only four francs twenty remained he decided to say to madame de marelle upon her arrival i found the twenty-franc piece you slipped into my pocket i will not return the money to-day but i will repay you when we next meet when madame came he dared not broach the delicate subject they spent the evening together and appointed their next meeting for wednesday of the following week for madame de marelle had a number of engagements duroy continued to accept money from clotilde and quieted his conscience by assuring himself i will give it back in a lump it is nothing but borrowed money anyway so he kept account of all that he received in order to pay it back some day 
one evening madame de marelle said to him would you believe that i have never been to the folie bergere will you take me there he hesitated fearing a meeting with rachel then he thought pah i am not married after all if she should see me she would take in the situation and not accost me moreover we would have a box when they entered the hall it was crowded with difficulty they made their way to the seats madame de marelle did not look at the stage she was interested in watching the women who were promenading and she felt an irresistible desire to touch them to see of what those beings were made suddenly she said there is a large brunette who stares at us all the time i think every minute she will speak to us have you seen her he replied no you are mistaken he told an untruth for he had noticed the woman who was no other than rachel with anger in her eyes and violent words upon her lips duroy had passed her when he and madame de marelle entered and she had said to him good evening in a low voice and with a wink which said i understand but he had not replied for fear of being seen by his sweetheart he passed her coldly disdainfully the woman her jealousy aroused followed the couple and said in a louder key good evening georges he paid no heed to her then she was determined to be recognized and she remained near their box awaiting a favourable moment when she saw that she was observed by madame de marelle she touched duroy's shoulder with the tip of her finger and said good evening how are you but georges did not turn his head she continued have you grown deaf since thursday still he did not reply she laughed angrily and cried are you dumb too perhaps madame has your tongue with a furious glance duroy then exclaimed how dare you accost me go along or i will have you arrested with flaming eyes she cried ah is that so because you are with another is no reason that you cannot recognize me if you had made the least sign of recognition when you passed me i would not have molested you you did not even say good evening to me when you met me during that tirade madame de marelle in a fright opened the door of the box and fled through the crowd seeking an exit duroy rushed after her rachel seeing him disappear cried stop her she has stolen my lover two men seized the fugitive by the shoulder but duroy who had caught up with her bade them desist 
and together he and clotilde reached the street they entered a cab the cabman asked where shall i drive to duroy replied where you will clotilde sobbed hysterically duroy did not know what to say or do at length he stammered listen clo my dearest clo let me explain it is not my fault i knew that woman long ago she raised her head and with the fury of a betrayed woman she cried disconnectedly ah you miserable fellow what a rascal you are is it possible what disgrace oh my god you gave her my money did you not i gave him the money but that woman oh the wretch for several moments she seemed to be vainly seeking an epithet more forcible suddenly leaning forward she grasped the cabman's sleeve stop she cried and opening the door she alighted georges was about to follow her but she commanded i forbid you to follow me in a voice so loud that the passers-by crowded around her and duroy dared not stir for fear of a scandal she drew out her purse and taking two francs fifty from it she handed it to the cabman saying aloud here is the money for your hour take that rascal to rue bourseau at batignolles the crowd applauded one man said bravo little one and the cab moved on followed by the jeers of the bystanders end of chapter five part three recording by martin geeson in hazelmere surrey